Welcome to Library Land Loves, a podcast from OLA. We believe that libraries are full of the most passionate people on the planet. People who are passionate about their careers, about the people they're serving, and the programs they're running. And that passion doesn't end there. Be it the coffee they're drinking or the pop culture they're consuming, Library Land loves a lot. Well, summer is well underway, and with summer comes summer readings. We're going to do something a little bit different here on Library Land Loves. Most of the time, we gush about things that we love. But this time, because we're going to take a page out of a Freaky Friday, we're going to flip that a little bit and talk about some things that we don't love quite so much. Uh, This time, because... Of course, being Library Land Loves, we still want to include things that we want to gush about and things that we love. So we're going to introduce you to some books that we here in the office perhaps feel as though they're overrated and then talk about those books that we would put in their place. For some of the staff members that we have here, uh, I've engaged them into more of a conversation to kind of flush out some of their ideas, whereas others felt pretty confident and just spearheaded straight into the books that they felt are overrated and the books that they would put in their place. And so to lead us all off, I'm going to talk about a book that I feel is overrated and the book that I would put in its place. And as with most of these, the book that I feel is overrated will probably get some shocks, will probably get some uh, gasps from the crowd. And the book that I feel is overrated is The Book Thief by Marcus Zuckas. Um, and this book is so popular that they actually made a feature-length film by it. Um, I just... I read this at the wrong time. It didn't connect with me. I felt as though the story had been done countless times before, being set in the Second World War, um, about a family that takes in a Jewish uh, fellow um, and hides him from the Nazis. Uh, The only thing that I felt that this book had over other books that had done this particular premise before is having death be the narrator and having such a very unique uh, narrative flow but I'm also the kind of person that really goes to a book for the story I don't necessarily go to a book for the narrative flow or the narrative style Uh, that is more of the icing on the top of a beautiful cake Um, and if all I'm really enjoying of a cake is the icing then it's not a very good cake uh, in my opinion Um, The characters were fine, uh, but I just felt like the story was kind of bland. And this was coming off of the the heels of many stories that were really looking at um, the importance of literature, the importance of reading. Um, And this segues into the book that I would put in its place, the one that I would highly, highly recommend anybody to read. Uh, And that is uh, The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Zafron. This book was originally written, I believe, in Italian and has since been uh, translated. And there is a series, but Shadow of the Wind being the first one is the one that I would highly, highly recommend. It takes place at about the same time in Barcelona, uh, late um, 30s, early 40s. Um, And as the Nazis were coming through Barcelona and burning all the books, um, a young young man and his father uh, go to the Cemetery of Forgotten Books. And this is where books have been brought 
to be salvaged, uh, to be saved from any of the book burnings. And uh, when you go there, you must adopt a book uh, and keep the manuscript safe. And so he adopts, uh, the lead character here, adopts The Shadow of the Wind. And uh, as uh, he reads it, he falls in love. It is the greatest book he's ever read. And then uh, a mysterious figure starts tracking him down to burn the copy of the book because all other copies of that book have been burnt and uh, he needs to see this destroyed. And so it's it's a mystery. It's a, uh, a love story. It has everything you want from a book and the narrative flow is seamless in its translation. And it is just, it is probably my favorite book and one that I always go to when people are looking for uh, a great novel. And uh, again, it celebrates literature, it celebrates reading as a culture, and uh, it really shows how books can unite uh, a people together. So that is my recommendation. That is my overhyped book, which is The Book Thief, and the book that I would put in its place, which is Shadow of the Wind. So now let's listen to uh, some of my colleagues and their opinions. Uh, as I mentioned before, some of them uh, give very quick, ready to answers, whereas others I engage a little bit more in a conversation for. So I hope you enjoy and uh, happy summer reading, everybody. Okay. I, the book that I would like to recommend to people is The Word for World is Forest by Ursula Le Guin. I think it's a very underrated science fiction novel um, that really explores themes of like colonialism and anti-war activism um, in a really interesting and beautifully crafted story. Um, so everyone should go check out that book. But you missed the most important part. Which is the book that I think is overrated. Yeah. The book that I think is overrated. You're going to have some editing to do, Michael. Oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> um, the book that I think is overrated is The Great Gatsby. <laughs> Uh, which is, I think, just a terrible book um, that is mostly just a reflection on the like ills of 20th century masculinity um, in a way that doesn't, I think, fully address them uh, and is not very interesting. Dropping it like it's hot. Yeah. Jeez. So no one needs to read that. Okay. Skip it. So what would, in your mind, be the most overrated book? Uh, in my mind because I was thinking about it recently, would still be To Kill a Mockingbird. I feel like more so recently it has become an overrated book just because of its um, underlying tones of racism and everything that's in the book. I think racism has changed over the years. Um, unfortunately, racism is still prevalent today, and I think a different book might be better suited for high school teens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if they read about this particular brand of racism, they might... Um think that oh well we don't have that type of racism exactly around that, anymore so yeah. then the problem solved right and that could be the problem because people are like oh it's not blatantly open I think racism today is very uh, sometimes very subtle mm -hmm. or uh, even subconscious yeah. there's subconscious racism which is you know sort of being passed along either from generation to generation and people don't really are necessarily aware of it yeah and I feel like even from a dis like a book or something from a different perspective might sort of help that. Yeah, for sure. And it also under like undermines and completely ignores like systematic racism, exactly. and institutionalized right. racism, right? And that's m that's more so of an issue these days mm -hmm. as opposed to the the clear bl blatant racism yeah. from the book that it's projecting so. Yeah, and we have some great novels out here that really showcase that. Um, right. The the one that comes to my mind that I recently read was kind of like Exo, 
Okay. Um, it was a sci-fi novel where right from birth, uh, parents choose whether or not to infuse their children with alien technology. Okay. Where they have like this exoskeleton. Interesting. And right from there, you're already creating a class divide and a race divide. Right. And in that sense, it, it tackles the same type of racism that To Kill a Mockingbird does. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of institutes that those children with the enhancements have much more of a uh, systematic uh, advantage than those right. without. Right. So it also tackles that systematic. Yeah, so it's like a built-in sort of racism, a Ex- built-in sort of divide right from the get-go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I haven't read the book, and maybe I should. So this is contentious, maybe. I don't know. A book I find overrated, and I've read it in both French and English multiple times, is The Little Prince. I know. Everybody loves it. And uh, it's great. It's a little heavy. And in my opinion, if you're looking for a book that's going to sort of talk about life and human nature, um like through the eyes of a child, I suppose, I would recommend Winnie the Pooh. Uh, I think that it's a much more joyful approach um, to the topic and it deals with, you know, issues that are just as tough. Um, But uh, I I find the characters much more, I don't know, lighthearted. And the book itself is just a joy to read. The book that I think was overhyped, even though I think I might get a lot of people disagreeing with me, would be My Brilliant Friend by Elena Ferrante. I didn't think this book was engaging, as as engaging as people say it was. It felt like it was a slow read to me. I didn't really buy the friendship. That being said, if I had to replace it with a book that was about female friendship, I would replace it with Anne of Green Gables because I really enjoy the Anne and Diana friendship story better what i feel is most overrated in my personal experience as a student of english literature is shakespeare everything by shakespeare is overrated in my opinion and i say this because you know not only do we enforce shakespeare on our students in all four years of high school it is also enforced in undergraduate programs as a full year course And in my opinion, there is no reason that we should all be subjected to this much of a single author for years. On top of that, my uh, mother also did her uh, BA in English literature, but she didn't do enough Shakespeare to qualify for an MA program at a lot of Canadian universities. And that I find very interesting. And what would you uh, use in his place then? Um, I'm not quite sure what I would use in the place of Shakespeare. But I just feel that maybe there should be a greater variety of the kinds of literature that people have to read. Because it's just a lot of Shakespeare and not a lot of other things in English literature. It's some bacon or milkman there. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Okay, so... uh, I've been involved in this book club of super smart women for about three years now. And I always, we we just go in and every, we don't even have one book. We talk about all the books that we're reading that we find interesting. So I end up like writing down madly all of these um, titles and people that I want to look up when I leave. And one that came up last summer was the Elena Ferrante novels, the Neapolitan novels. It's a series of four. 
And this one woman in my book club whom I just love and respect, and she's brilliant. She was going on and on, waxing poetic. The female relationships, and you've never read anything like it, and I'm so wise. And I was like, my God, how have I not heard of these novels? So I immediately went out and bought the first two and started reading it and was asleep in a matter of paragraphs. And it just proceeded to get worse. And I couldn't stop because I had this like, this notion that there was something wrong with me. I couldn't get through them. I have had numerous conversations since then of people being like, ah, Ferrante. And people have this feeling like we really want to like them. And there are so many people who do love them and I get it and I respect their opinions, but I am not one of them. I can't do it. I, I detest all of the characters. The female relationships, sure, it's novel in that they detest each other and they're horrible to each other and they just keep coming back to each other after, like literally from the moment they're children until they die. And I'm just like, why are you wasting your life on these people? They're terrible. So that's that. The Neapolitan novels. If you want to torture yourself, go for it. <laughs> But the ones that I would replace them with, really any novel that deals with female relationships, and I don't have one in particular, and I don't have a fiction um, suggestion to replace it with, but anything by the great, the queen, Nora Ephron, anything that she has written, and she talks about the female relationships that she's had and that have uh, fed her throughout her life. And it just, it's one of those scenes when she describes her dinner parties and her friendships where I'm just like, oh my God, I wish I had been there. I wish to have been a fly on the wall in some of those meetings and, um, and salons and all of the gatherings, the glam gatherings that she had. Um, and sure, she had lots of male relationships too, and, and so have her friends, but they're kind of like little blips along the way. And I just love the way she talks about her friends and um, and women in general. So, and the way, I mean, the way she talks about herself is not forgiving. The I Feel Bad About My Neck novel, I'm now 42 and I finally get it. I do feel bad about my neck, but at least we're in it together. <laughs> we're all feeling bad about our necks together. And, uh, and that's, I just love her. I love the way that she writes. And um, I would recommend if you're interested in, in reading anything about women's relationship, a woman's relationship with other women, friendships with other women, Nora Ephron, you just can't do better than her. Okay, so <laughs> Megan, you had read a book that had been popularly and critically acclaimed. Uh, what book was this? Uh, it was called I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reid. Hey, now you had uh, an unpopular opinion about this book. Yeah, I didn't think it was scary. Not good at all? No. Well, it was decent, but like the scare factor was, I was not scared. And I hate watching horror movies. I don't watch them. Everyone in my, so I went to the Humber Book Publishing class, course, program, Humber Book Publishing program in the summer of 2016. And this is when... I believe this book just came out and Simon Schuster was heavily promoting it and stuff. And one by one, everyone, we got free books of it and everyone was reading it and was like, oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so scary. And even like my lit agent prof was like, who specializes in horror was like, oh yeah, it's super good. And then I read it and I was just like, what? What? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is it? This is it? <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, because it wasn't like your typical horror. It was more like a, a psychologic, 
psych, uh, psychological. Yes. Psychological I, thriller. Yeah. I see. I see. So kind of akin to like Annihilation or The Snowman or something like that. Sure. I haven't read those, but yeah, let's <laughs> let's say that. All right. All right. So then, if if this one didn't scare you, have you read a book that has scared you? No. No books. Because I don't really read horror books. This is why I was reluctant to doing this talk with you, Michael, because I have nothing to compare it with. Right. But if you have a book that is scary. I do. Like, I guess... Or the listeners do, too. Maybe, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, for me, I've dove, divin? Dove into? Dove into. Dove into. Thank you. Dove into. I've dove into the horror genre because I've been on this weird kick about horror yeah and i've read countless quote-unquote horror novels that people are like these are the scariest ones ever and they're Mm -hmm. not i don't find them all that particularly scary maybe because i don't see it i think that was my issue too i didn't see it yeah yeah. i thought it was just a normal like oh this i don't want to spoil it some guy's crazy i don't know like a crazy guy whatever I yeah. forget sort of what the plot is actually. Yeah, too. it's like it's like I read The Shining and then I saw the movie and when I read The Shining it wasn't scary. Yeah. I was like, okay, so there's a bunch of people suffering from isolation and the mm-hmm. one guy is clearly going insane because this house is haunted. Yeah. Right? But then when I saw the Stanley Kubrick movie, that scared the bejesus out of me. Which is why I'm excited because they're making this... It got picked up for a Netflix series yeah. by some... I don't know exactly who the director is, but apparently he's some famous guy. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be very good because he's a very good famous guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm reading all these different horror books. And I'm getting nothing out of them. Yeah. Like, they're fun. Like, I, I read Carrie and thought it was a very interesting character study, but it wasn't necessarily a scary yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. The only one that got me that I felt genuine genuine fear from was mm-hmm. the Amityville Horror. Um, cool. <laughs> have you heard of the Amityville Horror? No. <laughs> so it's it's being it, it was marketed. It came out in the like the seventies, yeah. like the mid seventies, and uh, much like um, The Exorcist and uh, Rosemary's Baby and all those books at the time, it was loosely based off of real events. See, those are books I love. I guess the the owners of this house, like one of the original owners of this house, either the son or the wife shot the entire family and then committed suicide. Oh my gosh, these are things I love. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then, and then the next family that moved in um, <sighs> felt the presence of something in this house. Ooh. And then the father almost mm-hmm. got to the point where they were going to kill their, the, the women and the kids. But they fled from the house. Oh. And I think they still owned the deed to the house for quite a while because they were too terrified to even change hands. Ooh. And it's it's still one of my favorite books. It oh. it genuinely creeped me out. I'm intrigued. Send me the title on yeah. Slack. The Amityville <laughs> Horror. I have it in my book collection. I'll let you borrow it because okay, it's Okay, after it's I read brilliant. all my other books. But yeah. <laughs> the Endless. The Endless one. All right. Other than that, yeah, I think if it's a visual thing. It I'd is. probably be scared. So I think one of the most overrated books out there, and I think I'm going to break some, I'm going to get people a little angry, uh, is The Goldfinch by Donna Tartt. Um, I just do not understand how an 800-page book about nothing and boring characters is considered a literary triumph. But personally, I think it was poorly edited. I think her editor was just afraid to offer any sort of feedback or criticism on it. You can kind of tell in parts that it wasn't edited at all. Like, it was just, like, plopped in there and published 
but and I've read the whole thing. Oh, um, but fun fact, I've actually seen the uh, Goldfinch painting uh, when I was backpacking through Europe in the fall of 2015. I don't recommend the book, but I recommend the painting. Uh, but if you do want to read a book, uh, my recommendation that is a nice meaty long book and a better Pulitzer Prize winner is All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Dewar. Uh, I think it's one of the pers- best books to read over the summertime on the beach, on, at the park, at the cottage. He wrote it over 10 years and just you, you can feel the love that he put into it and each chapter is essentially its own poem and it's just simply like some of the most beautiful writing out there. Um, I just feel really happy knowing that book exists and I'm gonna be really bold and read a little part of it really nicely if I can. Um, So I mean if this doesn't make you want to read this book I don't know what will. The window glows. The slow sandy light of the dawn permeates the room. Everything transient and aching. Everything tentative. To be here, in this room, high in this house, out of the cellar, with her, it is like medicine.